Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so first of all, in verse 3, the light says, you are dying. That's the light that says that. Behold, thou art a dead man. And no one can be saved unless they understand that they have sinned, as in all have sinned of Romans 3.23 and come short of the glory of God. And no one can be saved unless they understand that the consequences of their sin is death. As it says in Ezekiel 18, 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. And no one can be saved unless they understand, verse 3, behold, thou art a dead man. And if God only wanted to destroy Abimelech, he would have stopped there. He wouldn't have gone on. But he goes on in verse 3, and he says, For the woman which thou hast taken, she's a man's wife. See, verses 3 and 7 show us that God did not come to destroy Abimelech. He came to save him. And he came to seek and to save lost Abimelech. This is what it says, for there's one God in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. There's one God, one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And he's the propitiation, it says in 1 John 2.2. He's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right, so at verse 6, God responds back to Abimelech with this, and God says two very interesting words in verse 6. He says, and God said to him in a dream, yea, and here's the two words, I know. Those are the words. I know that thou hast done this thing in integrity of heart. I also withheld thee from sinning against thee. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. So Abimelech told God he didn't know. And God said, I know you didn't know. I know. <laughs> I know. So that's interesting because it shows that God knows and he cares about what a person knows and what a person doesn't know. Sometimes you used to fly into Ethiopia and you pass over these areas of Africa, you know, you know, Sudan and northeast part of Ethiopia, southern part of Ethiopia, very, very primitive places where they've never seen a white man. Some of them still don't wear clothes. And, you know, looking down over that, over all those things, I said, boy, look at all those people down there. I wonder if they ever heard the gospel. Are they going to perish without any hope, you know, anything? You know, can God see them? Does God have the advantage of the Boeing jet to see them down there? (laughs) God, can you see them down there? (laughs) Calling God. Because these two words that God said, I know, we can apply that to the heathen. He knows. He knows every single person that's born. See, when we say, when someone says, well, how can God know? That's speaking from man's limitation man's limited point of view, even with his Boeing jet. He's limited, but God has the knowledge. He knows every single person, and he cares about each person. 
And he's not willing that any of them should perish. And he's able, God is able, not only to know, but he's able to bring them the gospel without any limitation. And so when God said to Abimelech, I know, and I'm helping you. Well, how are you helping me? I'm withholding you from sinning against me. You know, I didn't allow you to touch her, is what he says. And so what is this? What is this going on here? What this is, is this is an illustration of Romans 2.4. It's the riches of God's goodness and his forbearance and long-suffering because the goodness of God is leading now Abimelech to repentance. It's leading him to repentance. It's the riches of God on Abimelech. It's the forbearance and it's the long-suffering of God on Abimelech. And it's the goodness of God leading Abimelech to repentance. And he's like, he's, God is like, he's taking Abimelech by the hand. He says, come on, let's go together. Come on, Abimelech, let me take you by the hand. Let me lead you to repentance. Abimelech, let me lead you out of the death of verse 3, thou art but a dead man, to the life thou shalt live of verse 7. And that's exactly what God wants to do with every man. And that's why 2 Peter 3, 9 is so important because it says that God is not willing that any should perish. He might not perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, he'll have all men. He might have. He wants all men should be saved. Now, it's very interesting what God says to Abimelech in verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, have I not suffered thee to touch her. Now, God said to Abimelech, he's very aware of the integrity of Abimelech's heart. It's a very interesting picture because, as we said, he did something wrong. Abimelech was sinned. Didn't know he sinned, but he still sinned. And what happens here is now God tells Abimelech something, and then he stands back and he waits for Abimelech's response. That's the way God deals with man. And so what Abimelech really symbolizes for us is the lost man. You could call him maybe a heathen. And just like Abimelech did something wrong, he took Sarah, the heathen sinned. And Abimelech didn't know they did something wrong, but the heathen don't know also. And he didn't know he did something wrong, and the heathen are also dying because of their sin. But just like God told Abimelech that something was wrong, God, through the conscience, as we've talked about, is speaking to every person, tell them you've done wrong. You've done wrong. You're but a dead man, and you need to retrace your steps. Now, notice here how God told Abimelech what the issue was in verse 6. God said to him that uh, in a dream that I know that you did this integrity of heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. See, God had said to Abimelech that he held them back, and he said that he held them back not from sinning against Abraham. I mean, after all, it was his wife. Why not? Wasn't it Abraham's wife? I mean, after all, that Abimelech had taken. Wasn't it a sin against Abraham? Well, it was a sin against Abraham, but first and foremost, it was a sin against God. So what's really shown us here, by the way God put this, is that all sin is a personal affront to God. It's a personal sin against God. But David saw in Psalm 51.4 when he said, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this great evil in thy sight. And that's what Joseph said to Potiphar's wife. There's none greater in this house, uh, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin, not against Potiphar, 
not against your husband, but sin against God, Genesis 39, 9. So God tells Abimelech, okay, I held you back from sinning against God, sinning against me. And then God says to Abimelech what it would have been if he had sinned against him. He said, Abimelech, it would have been a sin if you had touched her, he says, if you touched her, you know. He didn't say take her. He didn't say if she'd become your wife, but he says, I suffered thee not to touch her. I find that interesting. You know, it seems so drastic, you know, touch, not to touch. You know, the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You know, we live in a culture of, of hugs. I mean, everybody's hugging everybody. There's a hugs, everybody hugs it. I don't like it. I tell ladies, don't hug me or you'll get fat. I tell them. <laughs> I tell them. <laughs> the, the moment of tension, you meet somebody, are you going to hug or not? You know, so I tell them, don't. And in Japan, it's so nice because in Japan, nobody hugs. <laughs> nobody touches, nobody shakes hands. It's very nice, you know. They just bow. Now, right away, without any delay, or other words, God goes immediately to what Abimelech has to do to not die. And he starts that off in verse 7 with the word now. That's how he starts it. You read that. Verse 7, now of the matter. God was saying to Abimelech, there's just no time to delay right now, Abimelech. This is a matter of now. This is for now. The gospel is an issue of now. When a person has understood that he's a sinner, he's on his way to hell, when Abimelech understood that he was but a dead man, then doing what God says is a matter of now. Receiving the Lord Jesus Christ is a matter of now. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. That's why it says at the end of the Bible in Revelation twenty two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So we get this picture. It's like nothing, nothing holding me back. Come, now, take. And God loves then to get to the next word of verse 7, which is the word therefore. See, God is wonderful because he has these therefores to the dilemmas of our life. You know, Satan's therefore is curse God and die. (laughs) Just finish it all. But that's not God's therefore. God starts his revelation to Abimelech in verse 3, with this declaration, you're a dead man. And then he tells Abimelech exactly what he's got to do. He's anxious. You can feel the anxiety of God. He wants to get to the therefore of verse 7 because he wants to get to what do you need to do. This is what you need to do, Abimelech. And the real goal of God and what makes God so happy was that so he could get to the middle of verse 7 where it says, thou shalt live. That's God. He loves to say those words. Thou shalt live. That's God's goal. Why? Because that's who he is. That's who God is. In Genesis 2-7, we saw that the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life came from God, and man became a living soul. And the Lord Jesus Christ said of God in Mark 12, 27, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living And in Romans 4, 17, God who quickeneth or who makes alive the dead. In Ephesians 2, 1, you, you, he says, hath he made alive. You were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. In Ezekiel 33, 11, he says, say unto them, to the Jewish people he's speaking, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live 
Turn ye, turn ye from your ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? And so just as God had a therefore for Abimelech to be able to live, God has a therefore for us and for everyone to be able to live. And he makes it very clear that as he did to Abimelech, he makes it very clear, Abimelech, you are on eternal death row. And that's the statement that God's making to every lost person. You are on eternal death row. It's not going to end when they pull the switch, make the injection, or do whatever they do, fire the shots. It's not going to end. You're on eternal death row. And so he comes to us. He came to Abimelech, and he said, therefore, here's the way of escape. And God came to us, and he says, here's the therefore for you, which was the cross. God's therefore for us was the cross. Cost God a lot to become a man, take on himself all of our sins, die on a cross for our sins. But that's why God did it, so that he could say to us, now, therefore, and present the cross. The cross was God's therefore. The cross was God's thou shalt live of verse 7. And so therefore it says, as we've already quoted here in John 3, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you could plug in there, but should have eternal life. Should not perish, should have eternal life. And then it goes on to say that uh, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. See, twice in these verses, John 3, 15 and 16, we have these two shoulds, these shoulds. We have the shoulds. The first shoulds is that he wants us, is that man should not perish. He says it twice, should not perish. And as we said in 2 Peter 3, 9, and the second should is that man should have everlasting life, should have eternal life. And God was saying to Abimelech, Abimelech, carefully consider your plight, your doom. Carefully consider that you're on eternal death row. Carefully consider that and take the therefore that I'm offering you. Now, therefore, he says. And now he gives instructions which are very simple, very simple. He says, just restore the man his wife. That's it. Restored the man his wife. That's it. So simple. It was something Abimelech could do. He could do this. There's no power for him to do it. It wasn't impossible. All that stood in the way of Abimelech doing that was his will. Is he willing to do it or not? That's the way it is with the gospel. The gospel is so simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can do that. All that stands in the way is a person's willingness or not. And then we see in verse 7 that God tells Abimelech, Abraham, he's a prophet. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that a person is actually identified as a prophet. Now, this is some scene. I mean, you think about this. There's Abimelech. He's just said in verse 5, Abraham had lied to him, and his whole defense before God is that because Abraham had lied to him, that he misled him to sin against God. And God never said to Abimelech, you got it wrong, Abimelech. <laughs> God never said to Abimelech, she's his sister. <laughs> you know, that was Abraham's concoction. Anyway, he didn't say that. But it's established, it's stipulated, that Abraham lied and caused Abimelech to sin. And then God directs Abimelech back to this person who lied and caused him to sin and says, he's my prophet. Now, but Abimelech at this point could have said, but he lied, and he caused me to sin. And God would have said, yes, that's right, but he's saved. He's saved. He's wearing my righteousness. He's my prophet, as a matter of fact. You know, Abimelech could have said, that's your prophet? <laughs> he says, I think you ought to go find another prophet. No, no, anyway, but he didn't say that. He said, this is an exact picture of what happens to us. 
you know, like Abraham, we sin, we lie, and we're ashamed and we're embarrassed. We come to God confessing and receiving cleansing and forgiveness. And the devil points to us and says to God, he's a lie. Look, he lied. Look at that. And God says, yes, he lied. Okay. But he's covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He confessed it. He's got the cleansing and forgiveness. And then furthermore, he's a prophet. <laughs> and so now we see that God told Abimelech that he needed the prayer of Abraham. Not only the prophet, you need the prayer of Abraham. And here's Abimelech. He's talking directly to God. And Abimelech could have said to God, why do I need the prayer of Abraham? Why do I have to go to Abraham? You and I are talking together right now. Why do I need him to pray for me? And God has established that he was not going to hear this prayer for pardon, for cleansing, and for life unless it came from Abraham. That's what he established. And God would only hear and answer Abraham's prayer for Abimelech to have pardon and cleansing in life. That's exactly the way it is now. Exactly the way it is. Abraham is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abimelech is a type of lost man. The rabbis today say, we don't need an intermediary to go to God. We go directly to God. And God says, I don't agree. Very simple. Because God says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God, the Shema, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And he speaks of himself, the Lord Jesus, in Psalm 2.7. I will go ahead and declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And then in Job 9.33, Job said, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that he might lay his hand on us both. In other words, man and God. Where's that person? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, He shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. A prophet is a person who speaks for God to man. A priest is a person who speaks for man to God. A prophet represents God. He speaks from God to man. A priest represents man to God. He speaks from man to God. The work of a priest is the step in between God and man. That's the work of intercession. So first, God has identified Abraham as a prophet, but now when God says that Abraham's going to pray for you, God is now identifying Abraham as a priest. And the way God put it was so simple, it's just so wonderful the way he put it in verse 7. He said, he'll pray for you, and you'll live. Just that simple. He shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And Abimelech gets it in his mind. I need Abraham to pray for me. I must get Abraham to pray for me. If Abraham prays for me, I'll live. If Abraham doesn't pray for me, I won't live. My life is dependent on the prayer of Abraham for me. And Abimelech says, Abraham to me is the he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live person. That's who Abraham is. I've got one job. Make Abraham happy. Give him a thousand shekels or whatever they give him. Because he's going to pray for me, I'm going to live. And if he doesn't pray, I'm going to die. If I've got Abraham's prayer, I have life. If I don't have Abraham's prayer, I don't have life. So Abimelech has a single focus on Abraham. The single focus is, and he's thinking to himself, you shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. You shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. Don't bother me, I'm thinking about this. He shall pray for me and thou shalt live. And those words, you shall pray for me and thou shalt live, tell the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is like Abraham. And just like Abimelech knew his life depended on making Abraham happy, eternal life is dependent on making the Lord Jesus Christ happy. That's exactly what it means in the last verse in Psalm 2. Kiss the son, in other words, make him happy, lest he be angry, which is the opposite of happy. (laughs) And ye perish from the way, which is what happens when he's not happy. When his wrath is kindled but a little, 
Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So wisdom is to be like Abimelech and see the Lord Jesus Christ as the he shall pray for thee and thou shalt live person. And a person who saw this clearly was a thief on the cross. When he said unto Jesus in Luke 23, 42 through 43, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt thou be with me in paradise. A wise person sees the Lord Jesus Christ like Abimelech saw Abraham. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ as John 14, 6, the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. He sees him as 1 John 5, 11 through 12. This is the record. God's given to us eternal life. The life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. John 5, 40. You will not come to me that you might have life. John 10, 10. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And anyone who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he won't turn him away. He will not turn him away because it says in Psalm twenty two twenty four that he does not abhor the affliction of the afflicted. And in Job six thirty seven, John six thirty seven, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I won't do it. Praying for others to live is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. In Isaiah 53, 12, the last verse, it says, he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What intercession? He's praying for them that they'll live. Hebrews 7, 25, he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by God, that come to God on him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And then we see that in verse 7 that God made a very strong warning to Abimelech and said, if you don't restore her, if thou restore her not, know thou, thou shalt surely die. And so he gives him a choice. God gives him a choice. He says, look, I've done so much for you. I've withheld you from sinning against me. I've spoken to you now in this dream, but I'm not going to force you to do this. This is going to be totally your choice. Your choice, Abimelech, if you refuse, God says, if you refuse, I've given you the power to refuse, and I've given you the power to choose. Then he tells these terrifying words. The last time we heard those words was in Genesis 2.17. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die. And that's the way it is with lost sinners. That's how God deals. He offers life. He offers life. And he goes to many lengths to persuade, to convince. And he puts Christians in the pathway. And he convicts the heart of sin. And he foils the plan of others to sin. And he makes the way of the transgressor hard. And he said to Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What pricks? The ones that God put in his way. But there comes that time, as he did here with Abimelech, when God steps back and says, okay, make your choice. Your choice is your choice. We'll record it, we'll honor it, and you'll determine your destiny. Life in heaven or eternal death in hell. And that's the way it is. And so therefore, he says to the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. And that's who God is. God is the I have set before you, God. He sets before life and death. And then he advises like crazy, choose life, choose life, choose life. And he persuades and does everything he possibly can. But then finally he comes to the time and says, like he did here to Abimelech, your choice, Abimelech, comply or refuse. 
And if we're faithful, as the prophet evangelists, we'll do the same. We will set before the lost in very clear terms God's offer, life or death, and we'll use all our powers to persuade and to convince and do everything we can, but then there's a time when we have to, like God, back off and let the person make their own free will decision. And that's what God's doing here in Abimelech. And in verse 7, God is saying to Abimelech as we close, the choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God of life. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of persuasion. Thank you, Lord, for being the God that withholds, that speaks, that says you know that all the things that you do. Thank you for being the God who says no one should perish and everyone should have life. We thank you for that as we've seen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051.